What's on the Menu with Adrian Abraham on Money FM 89.3. It's Money FM 89.3 and you're on 12 to 1 with me, Adrian Abraham. My next guest is Jay Gray, co-owner of Sago House. Jay, great to have you on the show. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, really good. Quite excited to speak to you today. So the concept of Sago House, for a first timer heading there, how would you describe the venue? Uh, well, I think what we aimed to do when we were opening Sego was essentially to create a venue that was completely unpretentious, right? So we wanted it to feel like you're walking into your living room, you know, whether it be the warm welcome you get from our team and ourselves or, you know, just the general mise-en-scene. It's pretty uh, eclectic in, in decor. So, yeah, you'd be expecting great cocktails, great service and uh, a warm and welcoming atmosphere. Yeah, and it was an incredible experience, you know, when I visited you. It was just because you never know what's exactly on the menu and more on that in just a little bit. How did the idea of opening up Sago House come about? So my partner, Desiree, and myself um, were kind of done with the the nine to five jobs we had. We're still in the industry, um, but we were working more on the on the sale uh, of alcohol rather than back what we used to do, which is working in bars. So we looked for something a bit interesting. We were looking for a shop house to sort of move into and renovate into a home that had a bar into it, a bar inside it. And that kind of grew from there. I mean, Desiree found a, an amazing shop house. We brought George, our, our third partner, uh, into the mix. And um, it went from becoming a home that had a bar to a fully fledged bar. Do you count it as a blessing that you opened after the circuit breaker so that you could adapt better to the new normal? Yeah, actually, uh, we do. We're very thankful about the timing for us. I think if we'd opened up before uh, circuit breaker, it would have been a bit more challenging to reopen and relaunch afterwards. It also gave us uh, quite a lot of breathing room to refine our products because we'd spent so much time on the build and so much time and getting the venue sort of paired to open. Uh, we hadn't really considered a lot of the things um, like our menu, like our staffing um, and like marketing. So having that small amount of breathing room gave us a, a bunch of time to focus and, and sort of dial in those aspects. And then post, um, post-circuit post breaker, I think everyone was really ready for something new. They were looking for something to do. I don't think anyone would have imagined that we'd be sort of stuck in Singapore for as long as we have been. So us being a slight breath of fresh air really helped us, I think. I think something that, you know, clearly sticks out is you opened the bar with very little money and no investors. Have you been surprised by the overwhelming success of Sago House in the short time it's been open? Yeah, I think um, even before that, our mission was to try and build it ourselves and open it with limited capital, right? So it was paycheck in, paycheck out in terms of, of George, Des and I, I think part of it was we, we really want to prove that it could be done. We've been in Southeast Asia for a long time and, and watched a lot of sort of money through flow through the community in these larger, sort of more grandiose builds. I come from a background of sort of working in venues or, or opening venues with a limited budget, uh, and, and we knew it could be done. I was very surprised about the, the response to it. I kind of had it in my head that we would be an underdog and we, we kind of still are, and we don't have budgets for larger equipment purchases and things like that, but we make do with what we have. And yeah, the support has been overwhelming. Um, I think it goes to show if you put your customers first, and, or your guests first, shall I say, and, and if you put your 
uh, staff first, you'll always be able to perform at the level that people actually want, which is uh, good service and, and, and welcoming atmosphere. I think you can have all the bells and whistles in the world. You might still not make someone as happy as you would if you just give them the service that they're expecting. Yeah, I did mention you opened the bar with very little money and no investors. So what were some of the challenges that you faced while coming up with the concept and putting the bar together? I think financially, I guess the challenge was operation capital or OPEX. So we knew that we could build it with, you know, the paychecks we were getting and, and, and pooling our money. Um, it, it's the scary part is once you open and you've quit your, your full-time jobs and there's no more cash flow because then you're really just relying on customers supporting you. Having no OPEX also means you have no disposable income for staff. So you don't really have a buffer to be like, hey, I'm going to hire you. I know I have enough money to pay you for six months. It's great. A lot of our, our, our awesome and amazing staff were, were sort of understanding with this and they were trusting us to, to keep the bar busy and to keep the bar running well um, to enable us to pay them. And, you know, we've done so. People have had pay rises and we've, we've expanded the team by quite a lot. So, yeah, that's the scariest part. Now we've, we've got OPEX in the bank and now we can continue to grow. But that's the biggest challenge is, is knowing that once you open, you are completely at the mercy of your customers. We're in conversation with Jay Gray. He's the co-owner of Sago House. Now, the next part is, of course, very exciting. You have six core drinks, but a different flavor every week. Now, how is this concept being received by your customers? So uh, that's uh, so. It's not a new concept. It, it, it's something that uh, came from my time working in Australia at a place called Bullet in Place, uh, which is an amazing bar. For me, uh, it was about being creative and allowing customers to try new things every week. It's not to keep them coming back necessarily, but it's to continually test ourselves and and keep it fresh every week. We're right above the Chinatown market, so we have a great access to fresh uh, fruits and vegetables, you know, every single day. So it seemed like a waste not to use them uh, as often as possible. So the customers in, uh, seem to really enjoy it. The feedback is always uh, is always helpful. We launched the menu on a Tuesday. By sort of the end of Tuesday service, we have all the feedback we need to tweak the drinks to get them to exactly where we think our customers want them. And it's a great sounding board for us to be able to develop our talents uh, in the team. Because if we have the, the menu rotating, it means the drinks creation ideation is rotating throughout the team. And it gives the junior bartenders more to work on and a great platform to be able to learn how to ideate and create um, beautiful cocktails. And it also gives everyone a great uh, background on how to cost out drinks every single week. Because obviously you have to do the, uh, the boring financial bit as well. So for us, we're, you know, we're a teaching bar. So it helps us a lot to teach our guests about styles of drinks and it helps us a lot to teach our, our bartenders about, you know, creating drinks. Yeah, it's quite a refreshing concept because you know the core drinks, but you don't know the flavors and what you're really going to get from it. But how challenging is it to come up with new ideas every week? It definitely, as time goes on, it gets it gets more challenging. Um, I think having the base like we do with the six core uh, styles, so you've got your highball, your sour, your daisy, your stirred up, your stirred and down, and your tropical, that those categories allow us uh, a base or a platform to sort of continually evolve twists on classics or create things that are completely new. So essentially, it does get harder as time goes on because you don't want to repeat yourself and you want to try and keep on using different varied ingredients. But um, I think the main thing is we meet up every every Sunday and every Monday to sort of go over it and, 
it, one of us will catch if someone's reusing an ingredient that we we've used recently or you know it actually makes the menu creation more communal that way because everyone's keeping the other person in check and with creating new drinks every week of course you can't exactly recommend one drink which you must try but if there was you know a couple of core drinks which you will recommend from the menu what will they be I generally believe that comes down to customer preference. I think that also is a key part of our service. So when you come in as a guest, uh, the first thing, you know, besides the the hellos, the watering and, and the pretzels, the first thing we'll kind of ask when it comes to the menu is what style of drink you normally enjoy. I mean, if there's some customers don't don't drink cocktails as much, so you have to sort of walk them through it a little bit. Like, do you like mojitos more or do you like old fashions? And once you kind of dial in, their preference of, of strength, uh, flavor profile, sweet and sour, you can kind of dial it into the menu. Uh, like you say, it's kind of hard to, to sort of recommend something straight off the menu uh, without any background information. So it obviously allows us and encourages us to get to know our guests better. And you also do food. So what can you recommend from that menu? Ah, uh, yes. So we're, we're very well known uh, because of Chef Ash. Uh, Ash is just amazing. Uh, and we thank him every day for, for coming to work with us. The Sago cheesesteak is uh, amazing. Um, and it's, it's one of our sort of um, trademark items. And then the, if you want something more sort of guilty pleasure, uh, the curry mac and cheese is one of his and it's just, you know, flies off the shelf. So we've, we, we do feel good food for the moment. And then obviously Chef gets way more creative when we do the boutique sessions in our um, store. We have a small six-seater attached to the bar, which is where Chef gets to go crazy. Uh, and you can ask any one of our staff about that. And that's where we do like a three-course degustation. And what's been the response to the boutique side of it as well? You know, because you have your bar concept, but then you also have something a little bit different. Yeah, I think that uh, allows a lot of our guests to get to know each other. So we, we usually do either groups of six or do like, you know, a group of three, a group of three. So firstly, it kind of becomes a bit of a community table. It is more formal than your usual Sago house service, um, but it's not your traditional pairing dinner. So uh, essentially, you're going through three, three um, spirits, three cocktails and three uh, dishes genuinely people seem to be blown away by the food because they know the size of our kitchen we have like a one meter by one meter square kitchen and they tend to be blown away with what ash can create in that space most of the time it's an educational experience as well so people are getting to learn about the spirits and the cocktails they're drinking more in depth than your regular service the new normal is all about adapting jay so how is your alcohol delivery service doing um, that's been ticking along just fine. Uh, our, our canned cocktails are, are still very popular. I think it's become part of a, a drinking ritual now. I think people are thinking ahead of time when they might be entertaining guests at home uh, rather than going out. We're, we're seeing a nice mix. It's obviously not uh, as heavy sales as we, we started with during the circuit breaker, but we are still very well known for our canned cocktails and Russell, who, who manages the shop, is, is doing a great job at uh, drumming up business and continually sort of rotating that menu as well. So we don't have, same as the cocktail menu, we don't have solid sort of every week SKUs. We have a couple of things that we keep on the menu all the time. And the rest of it is we're recycling from the previous week's menu to make sure there's no wastage. I almost forgot about my next question. It just sort of came back to me when I was kind of going through in my head, what exactly was happening that night? When I went to the toilet, 
Because you walk in and then there's this stand-up playing behind you and you almost take a little break from everything and the hustle and bustle that's going on around you and you have this little stand-up show playing in the toilet. What was the reasoning behind this? Yeah, that's our, our toilet humor. Um, we we wanted to, I guess, from my, my side personally, I'm all about not slipping up on any small details in a venue. Uh, and when you've got a limited budget, one of the best things you can do is is make sure your toilet is very nice, very welcoming and very comfortable. And yeah, it, it is a little safe haven. Sago House can get quite loud. It can be, you know, pretty hectic and, and entertaining. Uh, I think if you're going to be in the peace and quiet of a, of a restroom, you may as well have some uh, toilet humor to keep you chuckling away. There wasn't a, a set plan for that. I just wanted to make sure the, the restroom was unique and beautiful, like our, you know, our unicorn glittery uh, toilet seat and our unicorn taps and then we've got the vintage tiles and then the toilet humor so yeah it, i just wanted to make it a bit more unique and kind of unforgettable it's a it's a kind of a weird hospitality industry in joke i guess you either have terrible toilets or you have really really nice ones and you definitely have the latter and i'll certainly speak from experience but you know finally before i let you go jay given the overwhelming success of sago house are there plans to expand in the near future yeah um we we're actually most of the way through building our second venue now this one has a little bit more more funding and and this is going to be a little bit more elaborate uh it's called low tide and it will be opening up on 98 club street the old beaujolais site very soon uh fingers crossed yeah we what was never our plan to expand so quickly um i think opportunity struck and it was a it was a beautiful site and it was hard to turn down so we decided to uh, make, not make our lives any easier and, and open up a second. This won't be uh, this won't be a Sago House number two. This is a standalone concept. Um, the team and I uh, generally believe that Sago House can't be uh, sort of doubled up on. It can't be replaced or changed. So we're we're, we're going to keep Sago House at Sago House, and then the second one, Low Tide, will be a completely different uh, concept-heavy venue. Jay Gray, ladies and gentlemen, co-owner of Sago House. Thank you so much for your time and joining me on Money FM. And I can't wait to you know, check out this new venue that you're going to open up as well as keep up with what's happening at Sago House. Thank you.